The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. comment. So, so that's all of that. And then I'm going to introduce right now um, a very good friend of mine um, and actually a, a very significant uh, mentor and figure in this church. Um, ever since we started about a year into our, our church planting, uh, right after we had lost our business, uh, lost all of our hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you haven't heard that story, you can ask me later. I'm not going to tell right now, but we pretty much lost all of our everything. And we're in the middle of adopting a kid too, and everything was chaos and disaster and struggle and I started um, connecting with Kirk, and I actually have a phone call with him every month, and I either just am rejoicing and tell him exciting things, or I might be telling him, you know, of some catastrophe that's happened, because, you know what, just like life, church and my own life sometimes, you can be like this. You're not crazy if your life isn't just perfectly stable. If you have turbulence, guess what? It just means you're flying on the plane of life. It happens. But Kirk has spoken a lot of life and encouragement uh, into our church, and he travels the world speaking uh, and, and encouraging pastors. He was a pastor for about 18, 19 years, and uh, just an amazing man of God that lives out what he's about to teach. And so I just invite him to come on up, Pastor Kirk. Amen. Dr. Pastor Kirk, wow. however you want to be referred, and share with us. Thank you, buddy. It has been a pleasure to walk with you, Andy, and your church and your little thing. I love Sus. I want to say congratulations to hitting number four. That is a beautiful thing. I love seeing new churches. You're part of a network of churches. Transformation Ministries, what we're all about is healthy pastors, healthy churches, and then more healthy churches. That's all we do. We pour into leaders. We help churches get unstuck, strategic planning, helping with governance, problem solving, conflict, stuff like that. And then we plant more churches, and you're one of those. Four years old. And I, what'd you say you guys can now use the potty by yourself? I mean, that, that's a pretty crazy way to introduce a church at four years old. But yeah, you're a big boy and girl now, right? Like, this is it. It's time to, we're growing up into a new phase. You know, if you can get past year three, you're on your way. When I fly, when they say we've hit 10,000 feet, we're now on our way to so and so, that means we've cleared all the danger zones. We're, we're on the trip now. And I think at when you're at year three, you're in there four, you're going. This is good stuff. So I am proud to be part of what you're doing here, proud to speak into you, proud to share with you this morning. So it's really an honor. You've been in a series about hearing from God. And so I'm going to bring some stuff on that topic because pastors asked me to do so, and I love this topic. And some of it might be review, some of it will be new, but even hearing it again with a different voice can be really helpful. So it's my privilege to share what it means to hear from God as we walk with Jesus. So there's an interesting uh, quote. Great late comedian Lily Tomlin. Anybody know who she is? A few of us, right? Okay, Lily Tomlin, right? She said this. She said, why is it that when we speak to God, we're said to be praying, but when God speaks to us, we're said to be crazy? Now you think about that. The culture is all fine if you want to talk to God, yeah, whatever. But to actually claim that God spoke to me? Oh, that's weird. What? That can't happen, right? And yet we as followers of Jesus, the living Lord, 
believe absolutely that he speaks to us in quite a variety of ways. So I want to unpack that this morning. I got a funny little video this morning that just struck me. If you think about the Bible always talking about us as sheep and how we, we listen to the voice of our shepherd, take a look at this little video from Amman, Jordan in contemporary day on how a shepherd leads the sheep. Check this out. I just think that's nuts. All the sheep are just like, okay, we'll stand here. And when the shepherd says go, they go right across traffic. That's amazing. Bible says we are like sheep and we're supposed to hear the voice of the shepherd. How well do we hear the voice and do we trust our good shepherd? I want you to turn with you in your Bible if you've got one, analog or digital, whatever version you've got, it's cool. But let's check out John chapter 10, verses 1 to 5, and then also verse 14. Listen to what it says. Very truly, Jesus says, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought them out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And then down in verse 14, Jesus continues, As I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Love that. Do we know the voice of our good shepherd? There's a great paradox in Christianity I want to share with you is this. There's a lot of testimony in the Bible and throughout church history of God guiding individuals, speaking very clearly to people to give them guidance and and to lead them and communicating thus with his people. On the flip side, there's a lot of uncertainty, questions, confusion, and struggle with how do we hear God's voice. And some of you might be feeling that this morning. You might be new in this journey with Jesus. You're still trying to figure out Yeah, how do I really hear from God? Is he really speaking to me? And and if he did, would I know that voice from perhaps other voices that might be there as well? And maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, but this question still kind of gets in your mind. Yeah, who who am I really hearing? Do I know the Father's voice? So let's talk about it. There's a couple key ways that God speaks to his people. First, number one, I think it's obvious, you've probably heard this many times, but God clearly speaks through the Bible. Amen? That works for me. works for you. One pastor said it this way. When you increase your biblical engagement, you increase the odds that you're going to hear from God. And he said that's about as complicated as it gets. 
After all, if God has already written down his advice on the most common dilemmas that we face in the world, things about relationships, about communication, and money management, and all that kind of stuff, wouldn't we do well to take advantage of it? So yes and amen, the Bible is full of life wisdom. It is God's letter to us. He speaks to us through these authors across the centuries. God clearly speaks through his scriptures. Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Also in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, All scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. God uses those scriptures to shape us, to mold us, to encourage us, and to speak to us. Steve Barkowski was the former quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons. He said this, he said, for years the Bible was a dead book to me. He said it was like grits without salt. I don't eat enough grits to know if salt or no salt is the way. Do you know? I don't either, right? But he thinks it's not good. It's like grits without salt. He says, but after I gave my life to Jesus Christ, it became alive. I saw the Bible was God's way of talking to me. So suddenly when the Spirit of God gets a hold of you, this book suddenly becomes alive and and God will use it to trigger things and spark things and speak to you and give you wisdom and guidance and shape you. So I encourage you to, to read it, to memorize it, to meditate on it. That means to turn it over and over in your mind. You can even take a simple verse and drive to work each day and, and mull that over. And what's God saying to me in that? What's he saying in terms of a concept and what's he saying to me specifically? Lord, speak, your servant is listening. But God also speaks, if you look through the scriptures, there's also all kinds of other ways that he speaks. There'll be, he'll be phenomena with a voice, like the burning bush thing. Like, that was pretty crazy. God burns up a bush, but it doesn't burn, and out of that bush comes a voice. That's unique. God also will send supernatural messengers at times to speak. There can be dreams and visions. Sometimes there are audible voices. Even sometimes the voice of people. Sometimes a friend will say something, and you realize God used them to speak to something in your life. You may be praying about something, you need some confirmation, and a friend walks up and says something that has no idea what they've said, how much it's touched your life. God uses people to speak into our lives. And sometimes he uses the human spirit as well. We'll unpack that in a few minutes. I want to take you to an interesting instance in the scripture in the book of Acts where God spoke in an interesting way. If you turn with me to Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. I'll take a quick peek at this. So here's what it says. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. I've always been intrigued by that text because there's a lot in there, and yet how did that really work? 
So to get the context, Antioch is this incredibly diverse city in modern-day Turkey where people of all types and stripes are coming to find the Lord, and they're now joining in this church. So it's a truly multicultural, multi-ethnic church in modern-day Turkey. Okay? Saul was a Jew. Barnabas was from Cyprus. Simeon was a black man from northern Africa. Lucius was probably also black as he came from Cyrene, which is now present-day Libya. And Menaean grew up in royalty in the family of Herod. So here's these five guys. And whenever I say that, I think about burgers. But it's not the five guys' burgers. It's these five guys, very different guys, different cultures, different color of skin, gathering together because now they're united in Jesus Christ. And these five get together, and, and they're trying to figure out what's supposed to do next. And one day they're in a spirit of worship, and they get a whisper of heaven that comes their way. And all of a sudden, something new is supposed to happen. And the Spirit tells these guys, okay, we're going to set apart two guys, Saul and Barnabas. We're basically going to say, stop doing what you're doing. We've got a new kingdom assignment for you. But how did they know that was really true? So the leaders will test that whisper. Is this really from God? They want to be authentic. They want to know it's real. So how does that work? Well, the first thing I want to say is this. In the context of worship, they heard a voice, but they were already in a spirit, in a context of deeply seeking God and worshiping God. They were in a position, we would say, of surrender before the Lord, intently listening for God to speak. And the same is true for us. On the screen, I've got this comment. The spiritual disciplines of prayer and scripture reading and solitude and reflection and fasting and worship, these put us in positions to hear from God. And pastor, like you said this morning, those aren't a checklist. They're not a to-do list. What they are is their relational ways we lean in to somebody who's speaking. Does that make sense? We put ourselves in a position to better hear from the Holy Spirit when we're fasting, when we're meditating, when we're reading Scripture, when we're listening to Scripture speak, when we're in a, in a, in a time of solitude just saying, Lord God, speak. And those are all relational. Those are a joy. They're not a, I have to, it's we get to. And when we get to do those things, God can speak to us. See, God wants to develop a conversational relationship with us. And by pursuing what we call spiritual habits, some would say disciplines, just focused habits that we do every day, we put ourselves in a place to begin to hear from God. Second thing I want to say is this, besides the Bible, the most common method that God speaks to us is through our own thoughts. And this is where it gets really interesting, because how do you know what's going on there, right? Can divine intervention be misunderstood or lost in translation? Oh, yeah. I've had wackadoodle people say to me stuff like, well, God told me to tell you, and I'm like, really? And it's some bizarre thing. How do we know that's legit, or how do we know it's not legit? That's a great question. You get an idea that pops into your head. Wow, was that the Lord? Is that the pizza from last night? Is that me? Is that just my fears? Is that the enemy? Who am I listening to? How do I know? 
That's what I want to get into today. So testing that voice, that thought, that impression is really, really important, yes? 1 Thessalonians 5 says this, do not put out the Spirit's fire, do not treat prophecies with contempt, test everything, hold on to the good, and avoid every kind of evil. So the late, great Dallas Willard, one of my professors, one of my spiritual heroes, he was a pastor for a long time, he was a professor of philosophy at USC in Southern California, he's also one of the greatest contemporary writers in Christian spirituality. If you can grab some of his materials, they're like chewing on some serious meat, but they will shape you, and he has blessed me as one of my professors, and he was really good at helping us discern, how do we know when we hear a thought that it's actually from God or not? So he talks about three qualities of that voice, and I want to unpack those this morning. One, there's a certain quality of the sound, if you will. It has to do with tone and style. Another one has to do with the spirit attached to it. Is it passionate or is it cold? Is it whining? Is it demanding? Is it confident? What's, the, what's that tone like? And third, what's the content of that voice? What's being conveyed? So let's unpack those three more deeply. Three factors in discerning to hear God's voice. The first one is this. It has to do with the quality. When you hear from God as a thought in your mind, there is an authority that is different from anything else. Does that make sense? When you hear it, you're like, oh, that wasn't me. That thought, I'm not bright enough for that. That's, I, that's too big. That, there's no way I would have come up with that. that. There's a weight and a heaviness and an authority when you go, whoa, that was God. I had an experience one time. I went to a bookstore. I was thinking about taking a class in seminary, walk into the bookstore, about to get some books. I meet a colleague. I didn't know him very well. And, and here's this guy. He said, I said, what, he said, what class are you taking? I described what it was. He goes, oh, no, you ought to take this other class. And he described Dr. Dallas Willard's course. I was like, yeah, we'll see. Uh, whatever. Like, it's weird that somebody says, you got to do this. I'm like, you don't even know me. Like, I meet you once a year at a conference, and now you're telling me what to do? I don't think so. So I, I buy my books. I get in my car. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, there's this heaviness. There's an authority. There's something mine says, take that class. I'm like, wait, what? This doesn't make, that, that's not normal. And right then, I, but then all of a sudden, I'm not a crier, and there's moisture in my eyes. What is this? There's salt liquid leaking from my eyes. What in the world? So, and then I realize, oh my goodness, I think God just spoke. Because there was an authority to that voice and all of a sudden a physical manifestation that I couldn't explain. So you know what I did in risking? I actually took that course. And you know what happened? It changed my life. I would argue that in many ways what I'm doing now in my ministry ties back to that course, learning about the kingdom of God and how to listen to God in prayer and how to pursue the spiritual disciplines and to understand the kingdom of God. All that happened because I listened to this voice outside the seminary bookstore that was new to me, but there was an authority to it that I could not ignore. Make sense? Second thing is this. There's a character to that voice. That voice will be peaceable, it'll be joyful, it'll be confident, it will be sensible, it will be good. If you're hearing the Spirit of Jesus, you're hearing those kinds of qualities. 
in contradistinction. If you're hearing stuff that is accusatory and derogatory and questioning and mean-spirited, that is not Jesus. You see what I mean? When you hear that kind of stuff, that's not the Spirit of God. Just be really clear. There's a heavy authority that comes with God. There's also a, a gentleness and an affirmation of love. Even if it's a challenge to you, it comes affirming you and loving you, not condemning you. Make sense? In Revelation chapter 12, it says this in verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It come at last, salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them day and night. The enemy is the accuser. The Holy Spirit will not be an accuser. Are we clear? We good? There are times when you get these thoughts in our mind. What am I listening to? Regarding the devil, Jesus said this. He said he was a murderer from the beginning, the holding to the, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when there are lies and accusations, that is the other side. And you dismiss it. Done. Not going there. So there's a character of God's voice, and it is loving and gentle and peaceful. Yes? Third, there's the content. The co- I want to be really clear here. The content of God's voice will always conform to his written word. What I'm saying is this. He will not say anything to your soul into your mind that contradicts the Bible. Just real, if, you, if somebody says, hey, God told me to do something that's not, that's not biblical, that wasn't from God, okay? So we gotta be real, so you gotta, you gotta know the word to know even how that distinction even works. So if there's any content that you get in your head that contradicts the content of scripture, I wanna say it again, it is not from God, So to hear God, though, we've got to know the Scripture and to be in a conversational relationship with him, we need to really know this. So we know the false word and ignore it. So we are the people of the book. And God will speak through the Scriptures in profound and very intimate ways. And then there are moments in our lives when there will be a thought that God will put in our head that's very direct for a very moment, for a kingdom assignment right now. And that's the voice we want to be clear on how to hear. Back in 1980, in May 18th, Mount St. Helens blew its top. Some of you might recall this from the news and the media and so forth. It was like this, here's this volcano, and all of a sudden, the thing just blows like crazy. There were people that actually lived near the mountain who had their backs turned to it and didn't hear it. That sounds crazy because it was like multiple nuclear bombs going off and you could hear this thing hundreds of miles away, but, but there were people who stood right next to the mountain because the scientists have determined that because of the force of this thing was so strong, it blew it straight up and all the sound waves went straight up into the atmosphere and bounced off in, in, you know, miles away. But you could be right next to it and what they call it, you were standing in the cone of silence, which seems crazy to me. But there were people who literally turned around like, wait, what is that? What just happened? Because they didn't hear it. You had to be facing it 
to actually discern what was going on. And I would say it this way, if we don't see the scriptures, we're not going to hear the voice well. We've got to keep our eyes on the scriptures, amen? So are you tuned in to the word? I know that you are doing small groups around here. What do you guys call them around here? Community groups. Get in a community group, right? Because we want to be together in community discerning the word. We want to be using that Bible app over and over on a daily basis to get into the word. We want to know God's word always and forever. I'm in my, another version of reading that same version Bible, so this time I'm in the ESV translation, and I'm working my way through the Bible again. And then next year it'll be some different translation, but I'm going to work my way through. I want to be a person that continually washes my soul with the Word of God all the time. And I would encourage you to try different translations over the years, because you kind of get used to one, and then a new one will speak freshly to you, right? pastor can help you figure out which ones are, you know, Ideas, more literal, they're all fun, they're all good, they have different purposes, but try some new ones, but get into God's word. Now I've got three more filters, quick ones, just to help us as we engage God's word, three more filters to help us as we're listening to that voice that God may speak to our minds, and here's one of them. Is the prompting wise? Okay. When you say, God told me to marry this girl, but I've only met her three weeks ago, That's not wise. And I know people who've done that, who thought that God spoke and they just went run off and three weeks later they get engaged and get married and stuff like that. And and then it's been a train wreck for like 30 years. So be careful. When you think that God spoke and it's just really not a wise thing, is this really God? Another one, is the prompting in tune with your own character? One pastor said, you know, I caution people against running headlong into a field that's totally foreign to their wiring patterns, their education, their expertise, and their experience in life. It's not that God can't do 180, but, but it's just not typically what he does. And, it, and so if, if God's going to give you something that's really, really like out of your own character, get it checked out with some other people, Okay. Just, just again, the wisdom of the body of Christ together. That's why we do community groups, why we have a body together. When we're like the little charcoal coal all by itself that rolls off from the pile, you get cold over there, right? We need to be together where the heat is and where discernment is. Third one is this. What are the people around you that you trust? What do they think about it? Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. Proverbs 11.14, without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. So again, God can speak to you through the word. He can speak to you through a thought. You'll have to have a gravity and a sweetness and 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 a clarity but it also has to be in tune with what God's doing, and, and others will validate that. It's not going to be some wackadoodle thought that sends your life into chaos. That's not God. Make sense? So any voice, by the way, let me leave you with this. Any voice that promises total exemption from suffering and failure is most certainly not God's voice. So here's what I, want. I know. Health, wealth, and success are not guarantees in the life of faith and obedience. 
right? I'm always intrigued by Hebrews chapter 11. It's a, you know, it's the hall of faith, right? All the, you know, by faith this person so-and-so, and by faith this person so-and-so, and by faith. It's a, it's a hall of fame, it's a hall of faith, but then halfway down it, all of a sudden it shifts, and it's like, and then some people got sought in two who were faithful followers of Jesus. And some of them got stoned, and they don't mean by drugs. They mean by throwing rocks at your head and killing you. And so it sounds all victorious, like everything's great, everything's great, boom, 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 victory, 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 sawed in half. What? And then you realize there's a persecuted church, and always has been. And even today, you can go on websites, and you can discern what God is is dealing with as his followers are, are being challenged and put in prison and, and, and sawed in two even today. It's grievous. But there's no promise that everything is going to be footloose and fancy free. And if you're promised a word that somehow, that if, you're in, if you get into a difficulty and a word is saying, hey, you got to get out and bail, that may not be God. Or, sorry, that, yeah, that's all wrong. Because you're not promised that everything's going to be easy all the time. Make sense? Go back to Acts Church, Acts 13. Paul and Barnabas sent off, right? Okay, new mission trip. It's going to be victorious. They're going to be do great. And they get in some villages. They start speaking, and they're riots. They start throwing stones at them, and Paul gets bonked on the head really hard, almost dies. Whoa. Thought the Christian life was like everything's victorious and peaceable and awesome all the time. We're in a war for souls. And so, friends, we've got to be careful that we're not promised the easy way all the time. But I do know this. God's going to take you to the finish line because he loves you. He loves you, and he wants to speak, and he wants to use his word. And as the Bible speaks to you and as, a, as God's thoughts speak to you, I want you to filter them through some of the wisdom that we gave this morning. You know, is, what's the character and the quality and the tone of that word? And then have it validated by other people who know you. And then you can continue to follow Jesus both corporately and individually. Make sense? Is that helpful? A lot of confusion about this topic. And it's my privilege to pray for you. So Father, I thank you for this great church coming up on four years. Lord, you formed this church in an idea. You brought people to make it into, call it to fruition. You are blessing them, and now they're reaching creatively all kinds of people. And I pray they would continue, Father. There would be a, a leadership development engine here where more and more leaders are raised up, that will plant churches out of here, that will minister to this city in amazing and creative ways. That your Holy Spirit would fall powerfully upon these people, and that each would learn to discern and listen to you well and follow well and live according to your kingdom principles and promises and that there would be spiritual victory because of what you're doing through the beat. So I pray blessing upon them and power and goodness and your favor. But also I pray, Father, they would have grit to hang in there, to be faithful in challenging times as well and to trust you, to trust you most of all. Lord, may it be so. Thank you for this beautiful morning to worship together. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good word. Good word. Uh, so thank you, Kirk. So we're, we're going to uh, head out and go over to the chapel and stuff and have some time to hang out and stuff. But before we do that, um, I do want to uh, 
respond to one thing that Kirk said, because if we're believing that God can speak to us and we want to listen, and from the beginning of service, during worship, during our small prayer group, and then just here at the end of Kirk's word, he said a particular line that I keep on hearing all morning. He said, God will get you to the finish line, which wasn't even really his message, but he tagged it in at the end. And I just really feel like God's got some people in whatever area God has been growing you or trying to move you through, take you through. And there's just a, well, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if this relationship's going to make it or if I'm going to make it or if this situation's going to make it or my finance. I don't know what it is. I don't have that kind of clarity. But just some people that are like, man, where is the finish line? And am I going to get there? And so if that's you, before we dismiss... Uh, I just want to pray for you and pray for that together. Uh, so if that is you, could you just raise your hand? We're going to do it as a family. I see it. Keep it up. Don't put it down because we want to see them. See a bunch of them. Keep it there. Keep it up. Keep it up. In fact, do this. This one, I'm, just stand up because we're going to pray for you as a family. That's not embarrassing. We're with you. Sometimes I wonder if I'm going to finish. Someone might be mis- wondering if this service is going to finish. There's a lot of wondering about finishing. Okay, you see somebody standing next to you. Just put a hand on a shoulder. Put a hand somewhere, somewhere that's appropriate um, <laughs> that you'd be comfortable with if you were them. And let's just pray for them. You know, just begin to lead out in prayer. You don't need to try to prophesy to them or anything. And just pray. You don't need to prophesy. God's given a word right now. It's just get to the finish line. God can do it. Don't grow weary in doing good. In due time, you'll reap if you don't lose heart. Amen. Father, we just lift every person right now that's struggling right now, wondering, Lord, when's the finish? Where's the finish? Is this ever going to be done? Father, I pray that you would encourage them right now. Lord, that you wanted to stop the end of this service to speak to them and just say, yes, yes, I'm the author and the finisher. Yes, it will be done. Yes, you can count on me. Yes, I am faithful. Lord, even if they think it's their own screw-ups that are going to keep it from getting finished, Lord, it's their own fault, so how could I believe in God for it? Father, your word says even when we are unfaithful that you remain faithful because you cannot deny yourself. Lord, I pray that you would implant, Lord, and just just uh, water and grow, Lord, a seed of faith in them. Lord, that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish all that it was sent out to do. God, encourage their faith, encourage their strength. Give them hope this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for being here. We love you guys. Uh, head over to the chapel, hang out, make a friend, uh, and uh, have a good time. Have a great week. Visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.